0: Hi everyone, this is Leah Biscardi, the host of Adding Chrome to Your Community. We're here in another episode and I'm here with Angie to talk about some mental health. So I'm going to have Angie introduce herself so we can get into the mental health space. Before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month Club. When the cold weather hits and the nights are longer, the best approach to a night in is a good book. I know when I joined the Book of the Month Club, it was a great decision. Because I'm an avid reader, it gave me options to new titles. Do you want to try a new title for just $5? Click the link in the show notes and get reading today.
1: So how are you today, Angie? I'm doing well, Leah. Hello, everybody. I am Angie Barrett, uh, and my pronouns are she or they, and I'm super excited to be here to talk with you all today. So, Angie,
0: just give us a background of what part of the mental health space you are in, so our audience members kind of know where they should be headed in this episode.
1: Absolutely. So, I am a registered nurse. I am also a yoga instructor and a movement coach. I have spent the last year and a half studying how to become a trauma-informed yoga instructor. So I have learned how to use yoga and movement to help folks to release stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, everything that kind of goes along like the emotional component of uh, the mental health aspect of it.
0: And we know, as everyone listening to this podcast, unless you live under a rock, that we just, we are still in a pandemic phase, but we're kind of like trending outward. We're not in the like quarantine where we're locked up. But we really understand that mental health is not just during big, huge events like the pandemic. Mental health can be an everyday occurrence in some people's lives. So you focus on trauma so can trauma be people who go through a car accident can trauma be part of someone who just was raped or can trauma be a smaller thing where people who suffer from panic attacks and anxiety so what does trauma mean to you
1: great question um so i define trauma as a tornado of energy trapped in a stationary body so it can be all of the above. Um, Usually trauma, when it's written with a big T or capital T, is considered trauma that's a big event, like child abuse, domestic abuse, a lot of the ones you mentioned, car accident, uh, medical procedures, people who've gone through a lot of medical procedures can have some components of PTSD, or many components of trauma, or PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and that's kind of more the long-term effects of trauma. But trauma is also the everyday stressors that we can't always process. So a lot of the negative self-talk that we do is considered trauma. Uh, The self-hate or the I should have or I should be as good as that kind of stuff can be considered trauma. Um, Moving. If it's overwhelming and we're not able to release some of that energy around it can be considered trauma. Families are oftentimes very anxiety producing, depression, um, that kind of stuff. The holidays are a big, um, big trigger for many people. So it really is, I use trauma as anything that is overwhelming to our systems that we're not really able to get out or process.
0: So a change to your normal routine, that adds stress to not only your body, but your actual mental capacity.
1: Even our our normal routines can be traumatizing. So, for example, I am a child abuse survivor, and that's actually kind of how I got into this work. And before I really started dealing with the ramifications of my child abuse, I had a pretty significant eating disorder. And so the daily um, restrictions that I went through was very traumatizing to me. So it doesn't just have to be a change. It can't even be a pattern. in our lives, it just is the stuff that our bodies can't really handle.
0: So, for example, my life is I'm a former teacher. Um, I used to teach high school science and middle school science. And people like, oh, well, yeah, we understand that's stressful. But how can that be mentally tolling? And people don't realize that teachers hear stories. They have Mm -hmm. to deal with children every day. And there's constantly that anxiety or that just normal routine. Well, did Johnny have breakfast this morning? Is he going to go off and have a, um, an issue with another student? Well, Susie was being cyberbullied for the last two years. Is she getting through it? Like You constantly are, are taking on the anxiety of the actual students you're teaching, which was my normal day-to-day, and then it got to the point where you're like, you come home and you're like, huh, I wonder if Susie was okay after school today or Um, then you start having dreams and not bad ones, but like you're just stressing about them. And that was my normal routine. And one of the main reasons why mental health, uh, I'm a mental health advocate is because of that. I went to through anxiety and depression. And like you said, the holidays, everyone's already in Christmas mode. And I'm like stuck in Halloween vibes and fall mood because for me, Christmas is stressful because I live away from my extended family. So I don't like traveling during the holidays. So then you get the whole depression of you don't get to see your extended family. So those are normal things that happen every year. And once you once you start seeing those Christmas decorations go up, it triggers that, oh my God, Christmas time is here. or coming and I don't get to see my extended family. So those are normal things for me
1: that trigger that anxiety. I would even go so far as to say that that the holidays themselves can be traumatizing or triggering for more than just that you know there are a lot of people who don't celebrate the holidays and so um the fact that christmas is such a predominant holiday for people who maybe are jewish or who are don't celebrate any sort of religion it can be very in your face that you're different, that you're not normal because you don't celebrate Christmas. And I put normal in quotes for those of you that can't see me um, because that can also be traumatizing or triggering. And so it's just kind of this sense of, well, the holidays are always um, incredibly challenging for many reasons, but yes, absolutely. So how
0: do you take those traumas that people are suffering and how does that connect with yoga? Because I know movement always helps with your body and creating those neurons and dopamine and all that. But how do you, how is that different than just a normal yoga
1: session for someone? Absolutely. Great question. So, trauma informed yoga is a <clears throat> little bit different than traditional yoga. It's more about helping folks, um, empowering folks to be able to feel sensations, to be able to be in their body, and to make choices. One of the biggest things that I say now in my classes is you get to choose if you don't want to do a pose or you want to change it do it however you want take a child's pose relax. So it's giving people the ability to choose. But also there are some things that are very specific that help to regulate our nervous system that movement can do and that yoga. So I teach traditional yoga, but I also teach non-traditional movements because they are or can be so healing. And by non-traditional movements, I mean, um, not Tai Chi, not yoga, a lot of play. I do a lot of playful movements because play is one of the ways that can help to regulate our nervous system. But the, the main things for me are helping folks to feel stable and comfortable feeling in their body because not everybody is comfortable feeling sensations um it's choice and then it's adding things that create rhythm rhythm or repetition or things that are soothing to the nervous system Um, some folks breathing is very soothing so deep breaths and adding that kind of stuff in can be really soothing for folks For some people, I am one of them, deep breathing is very triggering for me. So I cannot sit and do deep breathing. I have to add some sort of gentle movement. So I'll add a sway to my body side to side as I try and do deep breathing in order to tap into the nervous system. So a lot of how I teach is I teach folks what signals their nervous system is giving off, that they're either going into their fight or flight or they're kind of going into shutdown, which is more depression, Um, and then movements, how to come out of that, because movements can bring you in and out of both of those.
0: And the important thing to me is like, so I, I always link what you're saying with my experience. Mm -hmm. When I, when I was little, I didn't know what a panic attack was until I started having them and people were like, oh yeah, you're having a panic attack. So for me, I get chest pain. So it feels (laughs) like I'm I always tell people it kind of feels like I'm having a mini heart attack and the only way to actually get rid of it is to keep moving my blood out of the heart and the easiest way to do that is deep breathing so when I was little my mom would teach me the whole you have to change your mindset. So you're thinking about, for me, I love desserts. So I think about the the next cupcake I want, the next piece of cake, and I would just be breathing while I'm thinking about that. So for you, like you said, deep breathing is a trigger for you. So you have to add movements. For me, I hate deep breathing. Um, I forget to breathe sometimes. And people are like, how do you forget to breathe? But it's very easy to do, especially when you're exercising. For me, it's just changing what I'm thinking about because... If, as a business owner, I have a big project coming up, that's going to trigger a panic attack. Like, oh my God, I don't have enough time to do this. What is going on? And if I just sit there and think about, okay, but if I do this step, I'll get a cupcake. And it sounds very kiddish, but for me, it breaks down the big project into smaller steps. So I'm not triggering that panic attack mode. My dog, I treat like a child. Everyone, if you're on my Instagram, I treat like a child. So she um, started going to daycare this week. I was freaking out because I wasn't the one there taking care of my dog. But one of the things that the daycare did was send pictures so that I know she's okay. Everyone's like, well, you're treating your dog like a child. Well, moms do the same thing. New, New moms for the first time when they have to give their child to someone else for child care, they freak out. That's something mm-hmm. that triggers panic in them. I'm the same way with my dog. I'm, I know my dog's not going to last very long and I'm going to feel, I already start feeling that pain. She's three and I'm like already feeling, Oh my God, what if she passes away one day? How am I going to feel? So those are the things I think about. I have to change my mindset. And it's the same way why I quit teaching because there were some days you just can't change your mindset. And I feel like with you teaching those play movements that you were talking about earlier really is that connection of you're controlling your emotions a lot better and that I think that's a lot what yoga is about if I'm wrong just correct me but I feel like yoga is a lot about learning how to control your
1: emotions. I'm going to use, I'm going to mostly agree with you, except I'm going to change the word control to, um, tolerate, because that's one of the things is that we can't always change our emotions. We can try and change our mindset and all of those things. Absolutely. But still we have those feelings. And so doing some sort of movement to let out those feelings, um, can really help to shift the mindset. So for example, sending your dog to daycare, I can relate to that because when I first sent my dog to daycare, it was horrible anxiety for me. And so what I would do working with a client would be to say, okay, so before you get to the point where you need them to send you the pictures of your dog, let's start to identify what are signs in your body that you're going into panic. So is it maybe an increased heart rate? Is your breathing a little bit faster? And then what movements do we need to do? Do you need to shake it out? Do you need to play? Do you need to laugh? Do you need to sit in stillness? And so then exploring how can you let go of that that swirling energy I had a teacher of mine one time call it emotional itchiness that kind of itchy right that just totally describes what it is um so it's learning how to identify what that emotional itchiness is to be able to sit in the emotion to let it go not necessarily to control it but more to move through it um, without having to get to that level of panic
0: and that makes sense like you're learning the steps and like I said that's why I said correct me because you, you can't control it, but you can, like you said, tolerate it or like I was talking about the project, cut it down into little steps so you can, you're not controlling each step, but you're actually help guiding it to a pathway of a different outcome. And I kind of treat it like a movie sometimes, like you can change, if you think about it, you can always change the outcome. You just have to change the steps in between. You might not be able to change the whole movie, but you can change the different steps in outcomes of what's gonna happen. And like yesterday was day two of daycare <laughs> for my dog. And I was like, okay, I'm okay. And now she's sleeping all day and I'm like, oh my God, did something hurt happen at daycare? Like she's just tired. She was with other dogs. She loves being with other dogs. She was running around. It happens. And it's the same thing in my business. What if people don't like my pictures that I'm taking? Or what if people don't like this podcast episode? And it it's that constant thing where you have to Be one with your feelings and kind of change how those feelings, I guess, make you feel, I guess is how I say it.
1: Yes, I agree with that. And movement can be that missing piece that helps you to be able to tolerate those um, emotions a little bit more. Movement can help do what's called expand the window of tolerance. So our ability to sit in an uncomfortable or some discomfort that angst, that emotional itchiness Movement can help give us a little more space so that before we get to our shutdown point, we're able to release some of that to be able to sit in that a little bit more. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, that makes sense. It's just, it's so, when people say exercise is not just good for your physical health, it's also good for your mental health. I didn't realize that until I always used to tell people, I am the, Unhealthiest skinny person you will ever meet <laughs> because honestly I can run a mile easily. I'm younger, so I should be able to do all that, but I'm not. But as soon as I started working out with a group of ladies that I do, um, it's called FIA, it's a national program where it's just woman-led, peer-led working out. It's I think what made me feel better was not the working out part it's the fellowship and the connection pieces so when i see one of those people outside of the workout group it makes me happy so it's that connection piece between exercise the people who are there and then seeing those people outside it's it's the same reason why people have triggers too like ptsd loud noises, if someone was in combat and they hear loud noises when they came back, it triggers that. It's the same thing, but opposite for me. When I see those people, it makes me happy.
1: <laughs> well, that actually taps into a part of your nervous system called the ventral vagal system, which is what helps us to regulate or to shift out of those states of, um, of trauma, of anxiety, of, of fight or flight, whatever it is that we're going into. But that that companionship, that, that play, the coterie friendship, um, it's part of the nervous system. And so it's, it's the part of our nervous system that we're trying to tap into with movement, with yoga, with um, particularly with trauma-informed yoga, the way that I teach it. Absolutely. Yes. So I want to circle back and you talked about a little bit how you got
0: into yoga and how you got into this. Can you kind of give us your background? Like, where did you start out? Did you always be in yoga, how did you start?
1: Yes. So, uh, no, I did not always start out in yoga. I am a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for almost 20 years, and I did ER and ICU, and then I taught for a number of years, and I got burned out. Like you did with teaching, I got burned out, and it was just very overwhelming. Um, Like I mentioned, I am a child abuse survivor, and so I've always had this I call it my black hole of pain inside of me that I never quite could get rid of and was always trying to, well, sometimes find unhealthy ways of getting it out, You know, some healthier, some not as healthy. And I've been a long distance runner for years and I had an injury a number of years ago and couldn't run. And so was told to start yoga, suggested that I start yoga. So I started practicing yoga maybe 15 years ago And I really enjoyed it, it was great. It made me slow down because I have one of those nervous systems that's always agitated, that's always moving and running. And so it was a great chance for me to learn how to connect my mind and body. And then in 2018, I was actually in graduate school to become a nurse practitioner. I was deciding that I was going to move into a different arena with nursing, and I hated it. (laughs) I I was halfway through my master's program, and I thought, this isn't what I want. I'm not able to really work with people. It wasn't an environment. I was putting myself in another environment that was going to be more... <clears throat> pardon me, more triggering, more of the same of what I'd been in. So I took a break And the yoga studio that I practiced at just happened to be offering a yoga teacher training at that time. So I thought, oh, I need something to do. So I decided to do the yoga teacher training and it was amazing. I loved it. I realized that it was a way for me to work with people to help modify or to help shift and change things before they got to the point where they had to come and see me in the hospital. Um, So I was able to be more proactive. I still got to work with people. I got to know people. And help people, because I definitely still um, enjoy helping others. And then as I've been moving through my journey to heal the wounds related to my child abuse, movement has been very challenging for me. Movement is either I can't do it, I'm in such a terror state that movement is so challenging, and yet it's what I needed. And movement is so healing. And so I started studying how to teach trauma-informed yoga, I have studied with an amazing group called Collective Resilience Yoga and they teach yoga teachers how to teach um, for trauma specifically. And I I did 150 hours with them. I'm advanced certified. And so now I work with folks who do have stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, trauma. And it doesn't have to be trauma like child abuse like mine. Like I mentioned, it can be stressors. The pandemic has been a huge trauma for many people. Um, Loss, work, that kind of stuff. I work with people to help shift and change their emotional ability to tolerate what's happening in their lives.
0: Wow. That's a, a very, very vibrant story. And I say vibrant because adding Chrome, Chrome is color. Yes, but yep. You realize that you wanted to do something different. Now, going into the healthcare profession as a registered nurse, you knew you wanted to help people. So that's always going to be inside of you, no matter. You just found a different outlet that you enjoyed mm-hmm. to help other people. Now, I wanna make sure that the people listening can reach out to you. So do you only teach in person or do you also teach virtually?
1: Uh, I actually mostly teach virtually. I do very few in persons. So um, I have three yoga classes that I teach that are all trauma-based. So those are just weekly classes. Um, They are done virtually. One of them is a yoga for resilience and strength. And so it's more of a strength building, teaching people how to actually activate into all the areas of their muscles. I do combine my nursing knowledge with my yoga and I teach a yoga to boost immunity class. And then I also teach a yoga for resilience. And those last two are gentle classes. They're kind of ooey gooey, stretchy, feel good. Whereas the first one is much more active movement based. And then I do private lessons. That's, I do a majority of one-on-one work. That's where I do a lot of the the deep emotional shifting work. So I do those online. Yes.
0: So if people want to get in touch with you, they can just, um, Instagram, Facebook, where do you prefer them uh, touch base with you?
1: Either. I have both. Um, So on Facebook, it is AB Angie Barrett. That's my initials. AB Yoga Info. The info separates me from abdominal yoga workouts. Cause if you just type in AB yoga, it's going to be abdominal yoga on Instagram. It's AB underscore yoga underscore info. I do have a YouTube channel because not everybody can afford and pay for it. So to help provide, um, options for people who don't have the resources to pay. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, which is AB Yoga Info also. And then I have a Facebook group that is called Moving to Release Stress, Anxiety, Depression, and PTSD, where we kind of delve into this. And it's a community supportive um, information sharing type group. So any of the ways you can get in touch with me.
0: And I'll make sure to put them in the show notes so that people can link to those very quickly and easily so that they can access you and message you. Because what I always say is no matter if you need the services of the podcast guests, I always tell people just go check out, just say, Hey, like say I met you on adding Chrome to community podcasts. I just want to stay in touch. If I ever need your services or know someone that may need your services, because I am a hundred percent sure that way more people are touching base with mental health advocates and experts since the pandemic started and post pandemic because loss is one of those things that a lot of people had to go through and some of them had to go through it alone because they didn't know they can reach out to other people and that's one of the things I always say is you are not alone whether you can reach out to a random stranger or you Mm -hmm. can meet reach out to a friend, you need to reach out and solve those issues, even if people don't want to do yoga, because some people may not feel absolutely, they could probably reach out to you and you probably have connections to other people in the mental health field.
1: Absolutely. And even just having someone to listen and say, it sounds like you're in a really tough situation, you know, just to acknowledge that you're struggling. That makes a big difference, even if you don't want movement.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to make sure mental health was part of our five pillars, because mental health is a big issue. And especially with the audience members we have, they're doing a nine to five and running a business which is twice as much on your mental health than a normal just business so it's a big deal to introduce the audience to mental health experts because you are the ones there that are going to help them make sure they continue working on their dreams.
1: Well, I, I say that, um, everybody has some level of trauma. And so to be trauma informed is to be human informed because we all have stress. We all have anxiety, whether it's, um, fully always there, but it can be situational. We all go through that. We all, you know, that's, that's a human trait that most people can relate to. Right. And no matter what
0: level it is, you still want to help someone with it because it could lead to either more or if it's already at the stage where it is more, you don't want it to get to the point where we're talking about suicide and depression and leading to other things and addictions like bad habits my bad habit is coffee I drink coffee all the time which is not good at all but I love it it could be worse um so we want to make sure that people are on the way to a good path so I do appreciate you coming on here is there any last tips you want to tell our audience before we end our call
1: um I was just going to, I was thinking, as you said that, that chronic stress actually can lead to a lot of health related issues as well. So it is a multifaceted, multi-complex issue. And I myself am addicted to coffee. That is the least of my, um, I figure if that's my bad habit, I'm okay with that. So
0: exactly. That's what I tell my boyfriend all the time. It could be alcoholism. I could be addicted to gambling. I could be addicted to something else. Coffee is not as bad and there's the opposite people can be way too healthy that they're always constantly losing sleep or they're losing weight and it can't be good so i do appreciate you being on today um opening up the mental health space to other people so they know that they're not alone so like i said to everyone listening if you want to connect with angie we will put her information in the show notes so thanks
1: again for being on today absolutely thanks for having me and if anybody needs anything definitely reach out i can I can relate and understand to a lot.
0: Do you need gifts for all the people in your household? Do you need a pair of jeans? Don't worry. The One Stop Diva Shop has a little bit for everyone. Check out the link in the show notes and shop today. Thank you, everyone, for supporting another episode of Adding Chrome to Your Community. Again, my name is Leah Biscardi and I'm your host. As always, you can catch this podcast on any featured podcast site, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can head directly to our link on Acre FM. If you'd like to keep up with the latest episodes and what's coming out, please check us out on Instagram at a community podcast and join our Discord community so you can ask questions and actually give us insights to who you want as a future guest. Thanks again and appreciate your community.